services of Ash and Flow. This is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. All right, the recording is on. Mm. Welcome, Ash. Welcome, listeners, to this new episode of the Unbillable Hours podcast. Yes, it's um, another episode, and I think we've got some guests coming up soon as well, right? Well, yeah, we'll we'll have actually a long hours today recording episodes, but that's for uh, that's the future for you, listeners, right? So, yes, (laughs) we also have had like lots of interesting ideas for episodes, some of which come from like conversations we've had with people, some of which come from you know some yeah i guess we could say like requests that we've had on in other ways and so i think we should caveat that this particular episode while it has a little bit of structure is going to be a little bit of a brainstorming thing because guess what it's about marketing kpis again yeah people keep asking about measuring marketing success or, you know, showing it, proving it, whatever metrics and targets and how to measure them. So we thought we'd, we'd just revisit that. Um, yeah. I want to also caveat a lot of the reasons why people are struggling with defining marketing success is because you're looking at it in a, in isolation. It needs to work with sales. Like we were joking around just before this record, but it's a very valid point. The business doesn't care about your email open rates and who's clicked through something. It's important to you. You need to convert this into something tangible. Just because someone opened your email or clicked through something doesn't mean that you've gotten a deal. Yeah. How does this whole thing connect? And this goes back to the point we've hammered home a million bazillion times, right? You need to start at the end, right? Like you say, with the sale and work backwards and us in marketing, probably the answer, the question is not so much how do we sell it or what's the best development to doing, but what is the actual offer at the end of our marketing efforts? And it could be a diagnostic, sorry, a, a, a discovery workshop, right? It could be a sprint or a pilot project or whatever it is, but we need to know what it is because mm-hmm. our job then is to build, for, for lack of a better word, a funnel or multiple funnels or a path to purchase or a client journey, whatever the word you want to use. But we need to build sort of a pathway which we try to get people onto and then which we try to lead them along so that they, at the end of it, yeah, make a purchase or, you know, the more better terminology probably is they hire the firm for an initial engagement. And Mm -hmm. this is where I, again, come in and say, yes, we get it, right? There is no linear buying journey anymore. The funnel is an outdated model. We all see these LinkedIn posts, right? And the truth of it is, I don't care <laughs> because we need to build a model. We, need to, we don't need to copy reality. We need to build a model of how people find out about the firm, get interested, move into some early stage conversions, like, I don't know, download something, attend a webinar and whatnot. And then from there, get eventually into a, an engagement with the actual business development folks. And having a linear model is fine. It's a good start. It helps you keep your hat clear. It keeps things simple. So 
use the funnel, use a generic buying journey, whatever it is. Uh, matter of fact, you can't see this, but Ash and I are looking at a slide that has a linear funnel where a firm does some social outreach, posts some social content, hosts regular webinars, and from those webinars, send people to a landing page where they can sign up for a benchmarking tool or a diagnostic tool. And at the end of that, they are pitched a strategy call with the team, which should result in the team selling a roadmapping workshop. Now, will every prospect ever go through those steps in that perfect order? Nobody knows. Probably and not. my point is, we don't care, right? But we do this building something like that first. And I think this is the first recommendation, right? Gives us a second recommendation, sorry, because you were right. Starting at the end, starting with the sale, that's number one, clarifying the offering, right? And then building the path towards it, that's step two. And if you wonder, didn't you guys want to talk about KPIs and metrics? Yes, we want to, because that's where they come in now, right? Yes. I because think... now we have a path and a progression and we can have some hypotheses around, you know, drop-off rates or conversion rates between those steps. Yes. And I think as we're looking at most of these <clears throat> aspects, we need to be very clear what it is that we're trying to measure for success. Like there's multiple metrics. It needs to be clubbed into certain specific elements. You're... And also marketing is an enhancement function on multiple levels. And marketing plays a jack-of-all-trades kind of role in large corporations. So bear in mind that when you're thinking of metrics, don't get siloed. Don't look at all the data that you've just got because now your software that you use or whatever you use gives you crap loads of info. Look at, like we started saying, from the sales and working backwards. And as you look at that, Pick the ones that make the most sense in building the whole thing up. So you have your share of voice metrics, you have your reach, you have all of that. Some of these things can be brought together. And then we just look at like the different, like if you're looking at the buyer's journey, look at the entry points for the various marketing stuff. Yeah. And then look at what is relevant at those entry points, not everything that you're doing. Exactly. And this holds true as we go into the actual measurement, right? Because the buying journey of the funnel, whatever we want to call it, the experience mm -hmm. we just described, right? which you see here on the slide, where you go from some social posting stuff to webinars, to a diagnostic, to a strategy call. This is obviously underpinned by marketing programs, right? And, and to your point of bringing things together, keeping it higher level, the ways we would now track and targets and so forth would be on that on those program levels. So this would be the next step as we built out the our actual KPI dashboards. St sticking with those examples a little bit, and I think I'll have to put it in the show notes so people can check it out. But if I were now to pull up a table that has four columns, and the first column is just our program components. So first line is the social outreach, second line is the social content. Right, then comes the landing page and so forth. And then we can use the columns to put in monthly targets for input metrics, output metrics, and outcome metrics. And I'll use LinkedIn as an example, right? Social outreach via LinkedIn as an example. My input metrics there would be simply just to track the stuff you're supposed to be doing because that's good for discipline and that's discipline's good for process. So if we have a target of 
sending 100 connection requests per week, which I think is the maximum, but I don't know. Let's make it that. You put that in here and then track. Do we get that? Right? The output metric then would be how good is the acceptance rate, right? So of the connection requests we send out, how many should we get in return so we can feel good about our pitch or our connection message? My experience, anything below 25% is crap and means you have to rework your stuff. So let's put the 25%. We want to be at that or higher. And then the last column would be the outcome expectation. So preferably, I want to get, let's say, a hypothetical example, I want to have my new connections also follow the firm's company page. Yep. I'm making this up as they go along. So now we would give ourselves a percentage target of how many of the, the accepted connections do follow. How uh, many of them many have converted could, into yeah, something? Yeah. yeah. Or we could have a broader goal and just say, well, how do we, does the company page grow? Because, and this is, I know that this happens, sometimes people will decline their connection request or just forget it, but they'll check out the company page, right? They go to, you send the request, they go to your profile, they think, oh, Ash is like an Accenture. Interesting. They go to the Accenture page, they like it, they follow the Accenture Actually, page, forget about the connection request. I, so, I want to disrupt this a tiny bit, all right? Yeah. So we work in professional services or we are aligned to professional services, which works in the consulting space and all of that. True. It is relationship building relationship marketing is key and all of these things something that none of you track and i think you should start tracking is they may not necessarily follow your company but are they following your key thought leader oh yeah that's also true yeah like they don't have to follow your company in order to follow your key thought leader like yeah. you may have the cto of your company who regularly posts key thought leadership and key stuff your company also posts it but they want a little more personal thing, track the follows that come in from the thing that yeah. they're posting. That's something that I don't see a lot of people doing. And I think that is something that needs to be done because in a relationship world, yeah, we're not really looking at the faceless corporation. We're looking at the individuals who work. And if you want to keep the stock capital continued, you have to realize these people because otherwise this is what typically happens when they leave. You're going to lose all these people who used to have access to your material. Yeah, that is true, which I think that's why I had the company page example, because that's typically then something the firms try to do, right? That the connection request is being sent by one of the, one of the senior people. It gets accepted, but then I want to bring... It doesn't have to be a connection request. Just, yeah. It can just be a false. Yeah, no, I get it. Your point yeah. is valid either way, right? You should be in a large organization or if you have programs running, right, for supporting MDs and other people, you should definitely, yeah. I like that idea quite a lot. Which, by the way, just tangentially, I want to actually reinforce your argument there because I read an article, I think it was in Adweek or something this past week. So if, if I ever find the link again, I'll put it in the show notes. People there were making the argument that currently, so ad spends are falling across channels, especially in social. I think they saw that in the Gartner Marketing Budgets 2023 update. Client trust in page four stuff is shrinking. And yeah, all these concepts of, you know, socially, social media mediated word of mouth, right? People call it dark social or whatever. Like getting, get, clients now get way more of their information again from their peers. They didn't do that as much five years ago. But no, they can because now everybody's on LinkedIn. People have gotten comfortable with it and so forth. The point here being that having your thought leaders out there and building those personal relationships, like you just mentioned, Ash, is the way to go because these other 
channels are they're not working anymore, but they're losing quite a bit of their efficacy, it, it seems. Yeah. So makes total sense what you said to be systematic about it. Actually, I did read somewhere, I, I can't remember where I read something about branded social being a little less impactful these days as well. Yeah, I mean, it's coming off its heights, but I think a lot that there's declines across the board in terms of like, COVID is over. Everybody yeah. likes to go out again and not look at screens. But but the, it, within the mix of channels and channel effectiveness, there's a bit of a shift in that influencers, and this could be the thought is in your firm, are becoming a bit more important versus other channels, especially in B2B, where I think in B2C, it might be the opposite. People are fed up with the influencers. <laughs> it's dropping off, but I think B2B is a bit lagging in that regard. I'll see if I can find the article again and I'll, I'll post it. <laughs> but sorry, but maybe bring us back. So this was our this was our second major point here, right? So we started from, at the, from the end and built sort of our client journey, right? This allowed us to understand what programs, how programs link to each other and then eventually to your initial sale. And now we have put input, output, and outcome metrics to each of those programs. And uh, this is, I think, the main takeaway here is track these things. I like the input targets because they keep the team focused and disciplined. I like the output targets because they they will eventually help you build a model. Uh, and the same is, of course, true for the outcome um, mm-hmm. targets. And I, I differentiate between those two because it's just it's a bit more of a granular view because let's say our email opening rates or our click-through rates in the email are epic and good, but the conversions are on the landing page are still crap, we know for sure that it must be something off with the landing page because the email was fine, right? If I were to only or directly just track the outcomes, I would not know that. I would have to guess that the page is that the email and whatnot. So it's the slicing it into three columns makes sense for me for that reason. I'm looking at my notes. Okay, so that was this one, right? So we, we now have, uh, to sum it up, a table with some leading metrics that help guide our work as a marketing team I think you and I discussed this beforehand, right? Yep. Would you recommend reporting those upwards? I think you already said no. You already said no, no I think cares. some things need to be reported upwards, like the impactful metrics, not yeah. these base metrics of, oh yeah, we gained X followers. We've had yeah. many people click through or we had many people yeah. like open an email. No, those are pointless. Yeah, you have them ready if someone asks about it, but just presume that the CFO doesn't care for your email opening rates. <laughs> Unless, and we'll get to that, you can show a causal connection between the two. And if you say, look, as long as the email opening rate stays over 40%, that means you get, Mm -hmm. I know, 200 people in landing page, and that means we sell two of our workshops at the end of the year. But we'll get to that because what we've just done only gives you the first half. The second half now is to track specific Mm -hmm. lagging metrics. Um, And those you can track across programs. And again, I have to update the stack and put it in the show notes. Actually, but those would be things like MQLs, things like calls you actually hosted in there where prospects actually showed up. How many new sales qualified opportunities did you bring in? How many of those do you have in the pipeline? How many clients did we win and so forth? And the recommendation there is always to specifically track or separate out those that were sourced by marketing versus those that were sourced by business development or direct outreach or whatever. And then again, those that were sourced by account activity, like expansion of existing accounts, right? So question is, how do you distinguish those? There's an art and the science to that. For me and client friendly, for many of our clients, we say we rely on a simple rule. Everybody who comes in through a digital channel at their own accord, so no outgoing 
business development initiative has touched them. They come in, let's say they come in from social posts to the website, fill in the form, and here they are. And we will count that as a marketing lead, unless they explicitly tell us a different story. And this is the second component. We usually have self-reported attribution, just meaning somewhere in the process, and this could be in your in the form they submit to register for the strategy call, we just ask them, how did you hear about us? And we take whatever they say as currency. I know bias, this and that, all kinds of scientific issues, but I'm not looking to building a rocket ship. I'm just looking to get a decent way of distinguishing marketing source opportunities yep. from sales source. And I think that for most of my clients works well enough. Once we, because once we have those, we can do two things. We can eventually track the sales qualified lead or sales qualified opportunity, whatever it is, um, to client rate, right? So our, our conversion rate across the entire journey, our, our version rate conversion mm -hmm. across the entire thing. Probably not on a monthly basis, probably not on a quarterly basis. If you're selling consulting services, client yeah. journeys can be long, but you should be able to do like a trailing 12 month thing and look at it. And mm -hmm. this is now what gives you the possibility to link your first dashboard with the leading metrics to the lagging metrics because you have a win rate overall and you can then go back to the CFO and say, we had 20,000 website visits this quarter. We can predict from that, given our historic data with some confidence, there will be an error in this, but with some confidence, yeah. that we might be looking at selling and then you have the number of workshops next week. Yeah, that is pretty much, that's pretty much it. I don't know, you had some, you have some thoughts also on the business metrics before we start recording. Do you want to add anything or? Well, it gets a little technical so i don't know if you want me to get into the whole technical thing but basically i was just saying that if you're going to <laughs> try me <laughs> no i mean you and i are fine but i don't know if i want to get technical with our entire audience but yeah i was saying that if you're going to measure your sales qualified leads you should do it as a ratio of how much came from marketing to how much came from sales and then multiply that by your win rate ratio because when you get that you actually find out the ratio that you that mark, basically you'll find out marketing effectiveness from that and if yeah. you multiply that by a median contract value i think you should find your median marketing yeah exactly that is yeah. brought in it, that's this, important. this isn't effective to like subtract from marketing costs because this is like you'll still need to remultiply it with like you know the number of deals that marketing has helped win to get the actual value, but this will show you the effective value of each market qualified lead or each market qualified converted lead. Yeah. And I think that without getting maybe too deep in the weeds, but what you're saying there, and this is really important is we need to, whatever models you run to get to our final numbers, we need to separate or distinguish leads by lead source. And the reason is that different lead sources typically come with different levels of buying intent. And that means the win rates will be different. So an inbound lead that comes to us after reading our stuff on LinkedIn for six months, and it's really ready to buy. He goes on the website, he hits a form, he submits. We're going to win that lead with a certain, something probably very high yeah. likelihood. So, so this is what marketing source leads tend to convert better, is what I'm saying, than the outbound or business development. And if you really... Sorry, Flo. If you it's just one thing though, let, let me yeah. let me round up the three. And both of those will probably be not converting quite as well as 
happy clients that you pitch them to the expand the account, right? So it's important to distinguish between existing business, new business, and then in between those, did we push here and talk people into taking a strategy call, for example, because likelihood of conversion will be much lower, or did they come on their own account, i.e. through marketing efforts, which then will probably win that on a higher rate. And this so, is why blending all these metrics is dangerous, which I think was your point there, right? Yeah, does, if you really want to go into some interesting metrics, what I would do is also engagement. I need to think of a proper name for this, but essentially you need to find out when a client entered your marketing funnel to the point that they've converted and they've done something. So if they're engaging with your material through six months, okay, the engagement time is essentially six months before conversion. How yeah. many points of how many points of engagement have they had is something that you can like measure then because that because what you can then measure is the effectiveness of your marketing content, which we barely do because you have to understand, did they read the content and realize that yes, they need to do it now? You, you, while speaking to them, you can find out like reasons that stopped them from doing as soon as they you know got interest is maybe budget all of that. If you got all those reasons aside and none of those matter, then mm-hmm. purely the time taken from initial engagement to what do you say deal is the time that a you've been building trust with them and b the effective strength of your marketing because they've not had any like if they're fine if they've got money if they've got like people if they got all that going on the only reason they didn't really engage with you is probably they didn't trust you enough or probably they didn't think your marketing content was strong enough and it's something that's worth measuring in order to make it more effective metric i probably need some time to jot it down in a good (laughs) way but i do think this is something that you can also start thinking of yeah I mean, to your point, uh, with the time delay or with this, you know, this, of course, is what always sort of kills you. This is the persistent challenge in all types of B2B marketing effectiveness assessment, right? Is it just, there's a huge, it's not like people see an ad, hit the page and go to checkout. There's weeks or months between touch points and then the results and so forth. So this can be um, tricky to get a handle on, especially if you're not running, let's say, sophisticated attribution software that can cover these types of things. So we have to keep in mind the models we built are models. They are all they'll always be far from perfect. But remember, we are trying to get to a point where we can predict revenue outcomes, which is what the business cares about, with a certain confidence. And over time, we should even get into a place where we know how big our error in that is, right? So if I predict, oh, we're going to sell anywhere between 10 to 12 workshops next quarter, by the way, our margin of error here is, I don't know, 5%, then people can plan with that. And we're in a much better space and there's no more discussions about the value contribution of marketing. Also, of course, maybe to tie this back to the beginning and the idea of linking programs together, because we are now tracking the stuff by program, we can quickly figure out which programs are probably worth more money and effort and which are probably worth less money and effort or can be killed overall without hurting the funnel too much. So everything downstream from here gets better, right? Reputation of your marketing team, the, the clarity regarding the value you contribute, but also tactical decision-making around, I don't know, budgeting, budget allocation, these types of stuff. 
you'll be much better at placed once you have those. But again, and I think this is to maybe round us out a little bit, it all yeah. starts with building the funnel or plurals, maybe you have multiple, that's fine. But it starts with starting at the back, having an offer, and then describing the parts, the path towards that as defined by your program. So what do you do? Where does traffic come from, right? Social, organic, paid, a lot. So this goes parallel. What are the conversion points and so forth? And then you estimate the the rates there and set targets and then try to hit them. And if you don't hit them, maybe you have to adjust targets. But eventually you should, game, the, game, the aim should be to build a model that helps you predict outcomes. I think that's the best way of using it. And that's all I have to say. Maybe in closing, since I have to touch these slides anyways, <laughs> make them fit the whole We might insert benchmark conversion rates for various program types uh, in the show notes as well. Now I have to do it because I've said it. But we did research industry typical conversion rates or KPIs and pull those together for you so you can go and know. UBHRS, no, what is it? Unbillable minus HRS.com, right? And find those and check it out. For example, I did not know prior to this that the average website bounce rate for consulting and professional services websites is 66%, which is not good. It's not an impressive benchmark, but maybe you can feel less bad about your own pages. I I, always, I used to be concerned if I have like a bounce rate in the 16% range, but I'm learning. Mm -hmm. No, that's pretty much par for the course, which as an aside, that's crazy. It's not like more than half the traffic you generate for the page is not worth anything because they bounce oh, sad mm -hmm. that's all i have anything else what's that? what else is new for the weekend oh, you and i record some more podcasts before the weekend right okay yeah probably yeah good stuff any closing remarks ash or i think if we i think we might do an entire episode on metrics at some point if there's interest in this specific case reach out if there's interest and we'll do it because this would require me to like do a little more like you know, work. That's the reason yeah. why I'm saying if, you, if there's interest <laughs> in like metric stuff, just let me that's know. Only, yeah, that's that's only available upon request, right? So file your orders for an episode with Ash doing way more sophisticated metrics. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to build metrics yeah. more and more. This used to be one of the jobs that I used to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I can see today as the basic level, which should get you started, but we there, there can... More sophistication can be applied if you work in a very large firm or you need traceability and visibility across more stuff. Yep, sure. On flow, if they really want us to consult on this stuff, you can all you can always go to. Sure, I don't want to. <laughs> you should say it. People can go over to minusfriendly.co if they want to have a discussion <laughs> yep. about dashboards. Yay! Exciting. I'm kidding. They are. I do like to know about those occasionally, and I do think they're important because you should be, like I've said this in a recent LinkedIn post, you should run everything by the numbers while also being fully aware that the numbers never show the full picture. So both of these things are true at the same time. And yeah, that's how we need to run it. Fresh, thanks. I'm going to stop yep. the recording here. Yep. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us.